everybody. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports' daily NFL podcast, sometimes more than daily. I'm Will Brinson. I'm the host, and I mentioned that it's sometimes more than daily because when Andrew Luck decided to retire on Saturday night, we fired up the emergency podcast machine. We'll talk about that and uh, much more fallout from the Andrew Luck retirement, but you can check out that bonus podcast in the iTunes feed. If you like it, if you love it, subscribe, rate, and review. Please bang that five-star button. We'll also have a bonus mailbag podcast coming out either this week or maybe over the weekend. Um, and, uh, that is was recorded in Fort Lauderdale. I, I probably mentioned it. If you if you have a question fantasy related, uh, leading up to your draft, if you have a draft this week and you you need fantasy questions, you need fantasy questions answered. DM me at Will Brinson on Twitter or send me an email willbrinson at gmail I will answer all of them. Include the date of your draft in the headline if it's like if it's urgent because you know, sometimes I'll get a little behind. I got to draft myself on Monday night. Uh, we'll be traveling a little bit on Sunday. Um, but I'm happy to answer all of your questions. And, uh, and also if you leave a question that's not urgent related on iTunes or on Apple podcasts and leave a five star review with it, I guarantee it will be answered in a super friends mailbag at some point throughout the season. While you're in, while you're in Apple podcasts, by the way, go ahead and subscribe to the cover three podcast. If you haven't heard about it, it is a tremendous college football podcast. I am a listener because, um, it's Chip Patterson. Barton Simmons and Tom Fernelli, at least once a week when they do picks, locks, college football locks. These guys get on heaters and they give out college football winners once a week. I recommend you check that out. I believe they're also doing like a Saturday night recap pod that'll be up on Sunday morning to sort of give you the full lay of the land on what happened from the college football week that was. They get great guests. Gary Danielson was usually on with them like once a week talking SEC. Um, you know, they, they, I think they dragged Brady Quinn in there. So if you like Brady Quinn from this show, you should check it out. Uh, I am a big, big fan of Chip and I know so is Ryan Wilson, who's joining me as we record this on Sunday afternoon around lunchtime. We last spoke less than 12 hours ago. How you doing, Ryan? Uh, better than ever. Uh, better. Am I doing better than Andrew Luck? Andrew Luck probably feels fantastic on Sunday morning. He's got all this stuff behind him. He seemed pretty heavily burdened on uh, Saturday night when he had to give that impromptu press conference. As, as you talked about, he was outed while at uh, Lucas Oil Stadium, booed by some fans. Um, I would imagine those fans probably feel terrible this morning. There's probably some sort of Reddit brigade, brigade trying to uh, identify those those saps. But, uh, yeah, so I'm doing okay. Um, I would suspect Andrew Luck's doing better than me at this point. Uh, I would say so. I mean, well, I don't know. Like, I mean, I mean, look, I, I feel this, the whole thing stinks for Andrew Luck. I mean, you know, when you, when you watch the clips of him being booed as he's leaving the field by Colts fans and he admitted afterwards, he said it hurt. Uh, and you know that he, um, you know, you know that, you know, I mean, look, he's walking away from a game that he loves and I get that he's not, doesn't love the game as much as, as he does, as he did anymore. I mean, Ryan, like it, it stinks. Like he's, he was a great quarterback. He was a, and he played six years and his, his, his career leaves so much left unfulfilled and, and he, it, I don't know, it just feels empty. And I know that he is probably at peace because he can actually walk away at the same time. You got to think he, he doesn't feel happy about what he's doing. He's obviously not happy with the injuries. They talked to J.J. Watt on Saturday night after the Texans game, and he said, I think it takes an immense amount of courage to do what Luck did, an immense amount of self-reflection, and a lot of guts to do what he's doing. And he talked about all the pressure that comes along with, with being a, you know, a franchise player and the expectations and the bouncing back from injuries and the frustrations when you're not as good as people know you can be because you have been injured. 
And Luck said during that press conference, it's been four years of injury rehab, injury rehab. And on, on the emergency pod on Saturday night, we went through the laundry list of injuries that he's had to deal with, and the most recent one being this lower leg calf issue, the whole shoulder injury that kept him out of 2017, the lacerated kidney the year before that had him, or liver, excuse me, that had him pee in blood for a while. The dude's 29, and he's like, look, I want to spend time with my family. He said, I have, I can't see into the future. I don't imagine I will be coming back. I, I don't envision that. I suspect every time there's an injury to a, a high-profile quarterback, the first name we'll hear about mm. is Andrew Luck available. How will this work? Um, one good thing, other than the fact that he has now unburdened himself and he can get on with his life, is that he won't have to pay back any money. Is that right? That is correct. Jim Irsay is taking the – Easy W, and he is not going to try. And uh, and by the way, here's uh, just really quickly. Here's the uh, the clip. Negative, but all that you've meant to the team in the city and the stunningness of the decision. Any reaction to the fans? Did you hear the reaction walk off the field? Yeah, I'd be lying if I didn't say I heard the reaction. Yeah, it hurt. I'll be honest, chap. It hurt. I mean, it's just brutal to hear that, like, the idea that Andrew Luck could – the whole thing is insane, right? I mean, he, I mean we talked about it a little bit, at, like, on, on Saturday night. But, I mean, like, he's sitting on the sidelines, and Adam Schefter tweets it out. And it just it just goes – you know, the tweets just go through the, the stands, like, so quickly. And everybody finds out. Guys are ripping off the Luck jerseys. I mean, it's brutal. And I, I don't think – the money thing is kind of interesting. So the Colts, according to Schefter, um, have decided uh, they will not recoup, try to recoup any of the $24.8 million they could have gotten from him. Um, I do think the language here is interesting that Adam Schefter wrote. It is, despite the fact that they have recouped $24.8 million from their former quarterback, the Indianapolis Colts have reached a financial settlement with Andrew Luck and will not take back any of the money they are owed, league sources tell ESPN. The Colts essentially are telling Luck to keep it all, even though it is within their rights to reclaim the money. The settlement was reached late last week, according to a source familiar with the talks. Luck could have owed the Colts $12.8 million as a pro-rated portion of the $32 million signing bonus the Colts gave him when he signed his five-year extension in 2016 and another $12 million in roster bonuses he was paid in March. Indianapolis waived his right to recoup the money and is allowing Luck to keep it all after the poundings he's taken and all he's given to the franchise. It is, in an official way, his parting gift. Um I don't want to give Jim Mercer too much credit for this because this is a really, really obvious move. Um, but good, a little bit of credit for Jim Mercer for this. And also, I would like to apologize because it sounds like maybe Jim, Jim Mercer wasn't the guy who leaked all this out. Yeah, imagine that, having a little discretion. I, I will also point this out. <laughs> Our buddy Michael Davis Smith at PFT wrote this. In addition to the $12.8 million and the $12 million, you mentioned the $24.8 total. Um, here's something else I mean, I mean that – Andrew Luck could have done. If he'd wanted to, MDS wrote, he could have simply told the team's medical staff that he wanted to play with a leg injury, that it kept him out of the preseason, was too painful for him to continue, and he would need to go on IR, in which case he would have gotten all that money anyway. So he was up front, Luck was, with them from the from Jump Street, it sounds like. And um, the Colts, as you point out, starring Jim Irsay, did the right thing. This is so, – it's like the Calvin Johnson thing, right? Like, why don't you not chase after the would-be Hall of Fame – uh, superstar who played for your team and try to get the money back because it just makes you look like an a-hole. And so again, you just take the layup. Uh, Same it, thing with Barry Sanders. So the lesson there is don't play for the Lions. Right. I mean, of course the Lions do this. Like try to be cheap. Like you're a billionaire owner. Just, you know, it's, it's like Andrew Luck doesn't need the $24.8 million. Of course he'll take it. I mean, he doesn't want to lose it, but he doesn't need it. 
Um, it, it, he strikes me as someone that if you ask him, he could show you his very first paycheck from week one of his rookie season that yeah. he has yet to spend. Yeah. Um, I, I, it strikes me as somebody who, if the Colts were like, we're coming after this money, you better give it back. He'd be like, listen, that's, that's fine. Um, but you know, good again, good on them. Uh, I, I guess, or whatever, whatever, uh, yeah. you want to do. Uh, by the way, later up on the, sh- on the program, T.A. Cleveland of Sharp Football Analysis is going to break down the gambling angle for the Colts. The win total moved to six and a half. That is a is a three-game shift. That is how much Andrew Luck is apparently worth on the betting market, which is, I mean, I guess sounds right, but is also pretty nuts. And if you missed it, again, we have an hour-plus instant reaction podcast. We're basically recording this as Andrew Luck is, is doing his press conference, as Jim Irsay is talking. Um, so make sure and check that out. Uh, there wasn't any other really news from the Colts and Bears game. Hey, can I throw one thing out there from um, that game? Whatever, whatever else you want. To you just played the clip of Andrew Luck saying it, it hurt. Um, as I'm scrolling through the headlines, Mike Florio, PFT, wonders, and I think this is actually a, a fair question and something to consider. Were the fans booing Luck or just the circumstances? Now that they've lost their best player, now their season has gone from winning the division to per, perhaps straight into the toilet, and they were that was them voicing their. Not necessarily sadness, but shocked. Uh, they were shocked at the development. And what, you're not going to cheer Andrew Luck walking off the field. Um, you may be cheering him, but you're not cheering the circuit. You're, you're booing the circumstances because you don't know what else to do. Maybe that's what happened. I mean, that's a, a, a rosy, optimistic take. But I could sort of see you just getting, you know, throat punched as you went to this preseason game in preparation for what should be a really good season, and then the worst-case scenario unfolds as you're sitting there. Now, the guy who ripped off his luck jersey, we clearly know what, what his where his mind was at, but it, maybe there were some people, you know, good Midwestern sensibilities who were just unhappy with the, the circumstances. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, I think that's a fair question. Um, the title is, were, Fultz, were Colts fans booing Andrew Luck or the circumstances? Um, yeah, I mean, like, it's... The problem is that Andrew Luck is down there on the sidelines. And so, like, even if you're booing the circumstances, you are still booing Andrew Luck. I can hear you. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, you're not, tr- maybe you're not trying to say, like, uh, F you, Andrew Luck. And you're just like, what? Like, ah, like, it's just a visceral reaction to boo. I don't know. I mean, right. But I, weirder things have happened in football games where, where, where fans have been stunned to find out what, what's going on. And their reaction isn't always just a boo. I mean, you know, it would have been, I don't, I, I thought, I think I was tweeting about this with like Mike Clay and a couple other people. And Mike Clay pointed out like, it would have been awesome if the reaction was to stand up and cheer for him. I, I think that's asking a little too much because of, because yeah. of the shock of what's happening. Like if you watch the clips, you can see the, you see this like, like it's passing through the crowd. Like everybody's checking their phones like, whoa. But you know what? That, that's like saying Mike Tyson at his prime when he fought Dust, Buster Douglas and he got knocked out. You stand up and cheer for Mike Tyson because he's the best ever. And you do that last night. People are like, oh, they're cheering that this guy is so injured he can't play. And I guarantee you that would have been probably you leading the charge on Twitter. Why are they cheering that Andrew Luck is quitting football? <laughs> I will say this, that like a lot of times um, we see we see injuries happen and people cheer. Right. You know, like, I mean, it, it, there's not a good reaction. You just sort of have to take a breath. And uh, a neutral reaction. Yeah, like, uh, I mean, maybe just black out and fall on your face. I don't know. Go drink a beer. Go get a beer. I, like, booing Andrew Luck, though, is not good, but I, I'm with you. Like, it, it doesn't, the, the city of Indianapolis and the people who live in that city are not, it's not Philadelphia. 
No offense That's right. to uh, the stereotype. I mean, but it's yeah. not like, yeah, they're not booing Santa or like pelting Kobe Bryant with batteries. I mean, they just, like, they didn't mean, they didn't mean, you know, they don't hate Andrew Luck. And I'm sure that whoever booed about it probably feels like a jerk. It to quote Sam Weish back when he coached the Bengals and he had to stop the game. He grabbed the microphone mid-game. I don't know if you've ever seen this clip. He goes, you live in Cincinnati. You don't live in Cleveland. We don't act that way. He yelled to the fans. So, yeah, they they live in Indianapolis. They don't live in Cleveland and or Philly. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's move on. We mentioned uh, Colts-Bears game. Not much happened outside of the Andrew Luck stuff. That was a, uh, to be perfectly frank, that game was one where both Matt Nagy and Frank Reich, as sort of modern-age coaches, uh, sat their quarter, sat all their starters, including Jacoby Brissett, who, you know, it was, it was like, well, that's smart. We don't know what's going on with Andrew Luck. You gotta protect Brissett. As it turns out, Jacoby Brissett's their week one starter. So that's why you don't play him in this game, because if he tears his ACL and then Andrew Luck announces his retirement, everyone, mm-hmm. everyone in that, everyone in the organization is being shot to the moon. Uh, ACL tear. Then you, a, then you have a right to boo. Yeah. Yeah. Then you have a right to boo. Um, I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, the, Texans had an ACL tear of their own. Lamar Miller, 210 rushing yards, 210 rush attempts, so the, easily the leader for the Texans last year, five TDs in 14 games, 973 rushing yards. Uh, the Colts' top running back tore his ACL in a preseason game against the Texans. The Texans, by the way, of course, just traded for Duke Johnson. I think we mentioned that on some pod at some point. Surely we did. Yeah. All of a sudden, Duke Johnson is the number one running back on the Houston Texans. And don't look. You may know this from fantasy reasons. How many carries did Duke Johnson have in 2018? With the uh, Cleveland? Oh, in 20 carries in 2018? I mean, I'm not looking, and I'm going to guess 65. 40. 40. Okay, 65, yeah. And he was not used much. That's right. So he will be used more, but he is slight of build by, in, in running back terms. Also, how many carries did Lamar Miller have this preseason? Do you know that? Um, 40. One. One. He this tore, was his first touch. He his tore his ACL first on his first carry. God, this team, this division is a mess. I mean, I look, I understand getting those guys out there, but at the end, it's just not worth it. Yeah. And I, I, I think, and you said, you say this a lot now, and I agree with you. We're going to move to a situation very soon where it's going to be joint practices, and that's it. Mm. And but, now, especially with the CBA coming up, there's going to have to be a conversation about this 18 game schedule. You don't need 18 games. You can still play 16 games, but. If we're going to do it with the preseason, that's going to be front and center. So, you know, be prepared for that. Uh, by the way, and we'll talk about this more with, um, this was, uh, just released, uh, the, uh, Superbook USA, which is the Westgate, just sent out updated week one lines. And again, stick around to the end of the pod. We talk about Andrew Luck and, and the Texans and, and all of that, uh, with, with TA Cleveland, but, uh, the, the, te- the Colts are, the Chargers are now minus seven over the Colts. Um, whereas they were, that's the week one matchup. Yeah. They were minus three before. So then the soccer stadium, is that where it is? Yeah. Yeah. But so Andrew Luck only worth, uh, only worth four, uh, four points, but worth three games. Actually, maybe not that much. The the Westgate also Jeff Sherman, uh, at golf odds on Twitter moved, they moved their, uh, their win total to seven and a half. I would imagine as I talked to, talked to TA about that, that's more about protecting a window. Um, and the Colts are 60 to one to win the Super Bowl, went from 12 to one to 60 to one. Holy crap. Uh, mm. six to one to win the AFC. They moved to 30 to one. Yikes. And they are four to one to win the AFC South, which is actually surprisingly low. That's kind of interesting. I think they could still win the division. I think you tweeted about this, but I think people are sleeping on Jacoby Brissett just because we haven't seen, seen him in a while. I think he'll do fine. I think he'll do, he'll exceed expectations. Um, couple things. If you are, um, 
Jadavian Clowney or Bill O'Brien? Are you trading Jadavian Clowney and maybe a package deal for Melvin Gordon? Or are you doing something less impactful, like, say, signing Doug Martin, who was just cut by the Raiders? Jadavian Clowney for LaShawn McCoy. Who says no? Oh, God. I hope everyone. If you're the. LaShawn McCoy is 31 years old. I'm going to make. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, I'm going to make a prediction here right now. The starting. You're going to have Melvin Gordon, though, wouldn't you? You can't trade for Melvin Gordon. Just can't do it. Okay. This, I mean, the, I think the Chargers would definitely do that and just. Osa, Clowney, Ingram, uh, Jerry Tillery, the other guys on the inside, sweet mercy. Justin Jones, don't forget my boy. Justin Jones. Brandon Oh, concern. Maybe if Dave and Clowney can play Derwin James's role. That would be something. <laughs> he actually probably could. I, I'm going to make a prediction. Carlos Hyde, cut by the Chiefs, signed by the Texans. Feels That's like true. a perfect three yards per carry, 200 carries, just like the worst DVOA in the history of running backs situation for, for Carlos Hyde there. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. Mm-hmm. I know we've been talking too much the last three days. Uh, I do think that with, yeah, you know, your LaShawn McCoy prediction looks uh like it probably will not come to fruition, which is you know, fine. Um Thanks I would, for the headlines though. Yeah. <laughs> All the upstate New York newspapers out of nowhere listening to the podcast. I know. Uh but I would but I would guess that uh you know LaShawn McCoy's gonna make it. I mean the Texans are should are just uh the, you know, are just a team that probably needs to to go out there and and um and find a, somebody off the scrap heap when they get cut. Well, here's the thing. Terrible news for Lamar Miller, obviously, but fantastic news for the Texans in the sense that it's only a running back. I guarantee you Chris Ballard and Frank Riker aren't saying, oh, it's only a, a franchise quarterback this morning. We don't care. We can replace that really easily. And it's further indictment of Zeke, Melvin Gordon, and Lev Bell now that you can find these guys. And I think you're right. I don't think you trade for Melvin Gordon, especially if, in, including a trade with J.B. and Clowney because that's just too much to give up. Wait to see who gets cut. And even if you don't get the first guy you want, once all these cuts come down, you get the second or third or fourth guy, split the difference. Sign two or three of them, you're fine. Um, I'm with you. Was there anything from the Cowboys in this game? I didn't, did I watch it? I don't, I'm losing my mind. I watched the, the first, um, few plays. Lamar Miller got hurt in the, on the first drive, I believe. Um, I don't, I didn't, I didn't watch much of it otherwise. I was doing HQ. And the conversation was mostly about Lamar Miller's future. And of course, Jamie Eisenberg was handling the fantasy impact. Yeah. And the, you know, the, look, the thing is when a guy like Lamar Miller goes down on his first carry, you yank everybody out. Uh, Tony Pollard finished with six carries for 26 yards. He's still not Zeke. There's a lot of buzz. The Zeke deal is going to happen. If you got your fantasy league, just go ahead and draft Zeke. Don't sweat it. Uh, the Texans paid, played basically, uh, nobody. The, the preseason's dying. I mean, it's just dying. DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson, no run in the third week of the preseason. Cowboys no, they, the- Now, Deshaun Watson started. He was in the first series. He must have handed the ball off three times because I saw him out he, there. He didn't attempt to pass. Right. He didn't attempt to pass. So they must have pulled him. Prescott was two for five, it looks like. Well, what you do is, I mean, when when you're running back, when your starting running back tears his ACL <laughs> and your starting quarterback who's torn his ACL twice in, in, oh. in his career, you get him out of there. Here's what happened. I remember that first drive now. Uh, it's sack. Deshaun Watson, he was scrambling around like a crazy person. I'm yelling, please throw the ball. And then I think the second play was the running play in which Lamar Miller tore, tore his ACL, or it looks like he did. Third play, I think he was sacked again and maybe a penalty or something. So he took three terrible plays in a row, and, and Bill O'Brien said that's enough. So the two guys they draft, I talk about this every time. Titus Howard, they drafted in the first round to play left tackle. He is kicked inside to left guard. Max Sharping, they drafted in the second round. He played left tackle in college, too. He is kicked inside. Your boy, Ryan Khalil, Ryan or Matt, which one is it? Matt? Matt. The young. Matt, the bad, the bad one. 
The bad ones playing. The one, the one who was drafted three picks after Andrew Luck and somehow made a Pro Bowl. <laughs> That's right. Julian Davenport struggled last year left tackle. He's in the mix. I don't – this offensive line is not going to magically fix itself. You're not going to find guys once all these other teams start cutting people to fix the offensive line. So I, this this um, division to me is wide open. I might still be leaning towards the the, the Colts. Mm. Interesting. If you uh, listen to R.J. White on this uh, on this podcast, you would know that – um, the, you, you might have taken the Texans at four to one, and I wonder if RJ will still buy my Colts future at plus one forty. Probably not. Probably not. Uh, again, we'll talk more about that with uh, TA Cleveland after the break. Elsewhere, Kyler Murray, fourteen to twenty one, one hundred and thirty seven yards, four rushes for nine yards. Played five possessions. Said afterwards, we didn't put the ball in the end zone, and he didn't cover the plus six. You jerk face. Uh, they were winning at halftime when he left, but we sustained drives this week, and I think we were more consistent. Everybody felt better about the way we played. I would agree with that. I thought Kyler looked much better. He was a little jumpy early on against the Vikings, who were bringing a lot of pressure on him. Uh, he, you know, the cornerbacks. I'm you, this Vikings defense is good. The cornerbacks were uh, covering uh, covering up these guys pretty well. Um, we saw Xavier Rhodes get a little torch down the field, and Kyler, when he had time to throw, and when he had guys getting open, he made the throws. I mean, he can. I mean, Kyler Murray can have a very good season, but I still worry about that offensive line. I still think that's going to be a problem. And David Johnson should have fumbled once. They didn't. They uh, they actually didn't overturn it. It was because they didn't have any good camera angles uh, in in on the on the first drive by the Cardinals. And I thought the Cardinals defense held up pretty well. It got some pressure on Kirk Cousins. Um, but the other side of that conversation is that Kirk Cousins looked like straight up doo doo. Yeah, he looked bad. I'm not worried about it. Um they gave up an eighty three yard touchdown run to Dalvin Cook that should have everybody worried. My boy Garrett Bradbury, as I tweeted out, got to the second level so freaking fast and just hey, he runs four nine. Yeah, yeah, just like me. Uh, and he put uh he put um I'm a little I'm four nine six, but whatever. He put a, a linebacker in a body bag, set up the Dalvin Cook run. I think that was a good example of what this rushing offense can do. I'm a little worried still about the pass protection for, for the uh, uh, for the for the Vikings, but I, I don't I don't freak out too much about Kirk Cousins. I'm more I'm I'm more excited about Kyler Murray and how he played than I am worried about how uh, how Kirk Cousins played. I think Kyler Murray his stats are not going to jack him up in terms of um, in terms of fantasy value. I think the Kyler Kyler Murray Lamar Jackson combo. I want one of those guys in the fan in, in basically every fantasy league I'm drafting this week at quarterback. Just wait on it and get those guys. Kyler dropped down pretty far. I think Christian Kirk is a good guy to target as well. Um, you know, I, I, maybe a little less worried about David Johnson. I don't think he's going to run a lot behind that offensive line though. Yeah. So Kyler, strong start to his uh, preseason in week one. Week two was a complete disaster against the Raven. Uh, excuse me, the Raiders, and everyone was concerned. And week three he bounced back. But this is sort of the Ups and downs you expect from a rookie. Um, I, I'm not concerned about him. He had a couple passes tipped to the line of scrimmage, but he, for the most part, is very good at moving his feet, finding the lanes, doing what Drew Brees has done for 40 years now, and his arm strength is off the charts, just blows you away. I don't know if Cliff Kingsbury is a good coach, and I'll be saying that mm. probably for another month or two. We just don't know. We don't know if this is going to work. History I, says it won't because he's not a great coach. I, I, Ryan, I'm just not buying the idea that, like Cliff Kingsbury is going to magically unleash this insane offense on everybody. Like I, I just, I'm just yeah. not sure that's like th- again. This is not RG three in the read option. Like what is he going to show you in week one against the Lions that he's not showing you in the preseason? I, I'm just not sure where it's coming from. Maybe I'm dead wrong. Here's what Kurt Warner said on Saturday night, talking uh, after the fact about uh, the, the the Cardinals offense, and he said, "Listen, 
we always talk all the time about teams not showing anything in the preseason. Your offense is what your offense is. So you're not going to magically have some, you're going to run someone else's offense for four weeks in the preseason and then turn a switch and become another offense that you want to be for the next four months. So we're getting a glimpse of what this offense is going to look like and it hasn't been great. So we'll see. I, I'm with you a hundred percent in terms of guys to watch. And this isn't necessarily for fantasy reasons, but for reasons to get excited. If you, you know, you're watching the games on Sunday. Keyshawn Johnson was their third wide receiver taken out of Fresno State. He went in the sixth round, I think. They took Andy Isabella in the second. They took Akeem Butler in the fourth. Akeem Butler's now in the injured reserve. He's done. They signed, uh, what's his name? Who they signed? The guy from Oakland and San Francisco? Uh, Michael Crabtree. Michael Crabtree. Um, he has, he didn't play, obviously. He'll be getting up to speed, but he's more of a middle of the field tight end threat. He's not going to beat anyone down the field. But Keyshawn Johnson had seven catches for 85 yards on seven targets. 100% catch rate. He's had a really good preseason, and a lot of things you hear coming out of Arizona is that he has been the the best of the standouts among the wide receivers, that young group. So he could be a, a reliable target for for um, Kyler as we go through this thing. So that's just something to watch. But, again, if this team wins six games, it'll be a miracle, I feel like. Breaking news, Ryan. Do you know what the breaking news is? Mm-mm. If you had to guess, who does it involve? You're super happy. Philip Rivers? <laughs> <laughs> He had another kid. No, um, although I will say that Antonio Brown at this point has filed as many grievances about his helmet as Philip Rivers has yeah. children. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, Andrew, that's breaking news noise. I don't know. Uh, Antonio Brown lost his second grievance. What a surprise. Who could have seen this coming? The NFL is not going to let Antonio Brown wear his old helmet. Um, this was, uh, Oh, okay. My wife, anyway, my wife is texting me also breaking news. She's at the playground and some kid got hit in the face with a rock and is bleeding everywhere after the dad, after the dad was bragging about how he's not a helicopter parent. Was he wearing a shut air advantage? Cause that would have helped his head. If he'd been wearing Antonio Brown's helmet, he would have been fine. Um, so Antonio Brown loses the grievance that he filed, the second grievance that he filed. Do you think he'll file a third grievance and or do you think this will be the end of the Antonio Brown drama? Um, I don't know why it took so long because I think the news came down. Reportedly, uh, late in, in the week, and today we're talking on Sunday, the PFT says also the issue is now over. Antonio Brown will wear an approved helmet in 2019 and beyond per source. So I suspect he will be whinging about it. He'll wear a helmet that makes him look like, um, Wes Welker did towards the end of his career when he had to wear those concussion helmets. And he'll be complaining about not being able to see. And Florio's been on the, the weird side of this, like supporting Brown's right to, to do this. Okay, that's fine. But he does make a point that is worth noting. What if Antonio Brown suffers a serious injury with wearing this helmet and he had gone mostly injury-free, say, for Vontez Perfect trying to murder him mm. a couple years ago? Then what? Well, legally, what? I wonder if he has any recourse in terms of, of saying, well, I tried to tell you, yada, yada, yada. Uh, no further proceedings are expected, according to a report from Ian Rappaport of NFL Media. So Brown should wear the new helmet and we can all move on, hopefully. Uh, also in breaking news, my God, what a good time. We picked a good time to record this podcast. The Washington Redskins have named Case Keenum the week one starting quarterback or just the starting quarterback. Uh, level of shock more or less than the fact that Antonio Brown lost his grievance. Dwayne Haskins is going, thank God. Yeah. Thank God I don't have to play on this team right now. I just got to have boy the next uh, 17 weeks. Pray that Jay Gruden gets fired. Not that Jay Gruden necessarily is, is the fault of all this, but they got to bring in someone that can fix everything, and maybe that goes higher than, than Jay Gruden, and I, I think it does. Offensive line, maybe the medical staff, because it seems like everyone who leaves that organization isn't crazy about how things operate there. 
Trent Williams isn't happy. Darius Geis had multiple complications with his ACL surgery. Um, Colt McCoy, you've talked about him and his, his broken leg issues and not coming back as fast as they had hoped. That place, they did a fantastic job in the draft, but now they have to fix everything else, and, and Dwayne Haskins has no, no business being out there. Mm, I'm with you completely on that regard. God, I'm glad we're getting all this stuff hammered out while we're uh while we're doing this podcast because if it was breaking later this afternoon it'd be a real pain in the rear for us uh oh man we're running long let's go quick bucks and browns played in the preseason james winston 9 of 19 88 yards more importantly he took five sacks and you can you can pin this either way you want it i think it's a little bit of both the browns defensive line looks terrifying i mean they added sheldon richardson um you know amongst other guys that vernon went off olivier vernon went nuts they traded for him he looks like a better looks like a better ad than or a better player than kevin zeitler at least um in terms of what he can bring to the table but the browns offensive line also uh didn't look Great. Um, I, I, I am, I would be real worried if I'm the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that if you can't protect Jameis Winston and he can't throw accurately down the field, which it didn't look like he could, uh, throughout the preseason, that this, this Bruce Arians thing is going to be a flop. Cause without time in the pocket to do those deep dropbacks and without the ability to hit the guys down the field when they're open, Tampa Bay could be an utter nightmare on offense. One of the things that gets lost in Bruce Arians' mystique, and he's a fantastic coach and great offensive mind, when he was in Pittsburgh, Ben Roethlisberger took an absolute beating because we were doing these deep drops, deep passing down the field, passing passing game, and the payoff was huge. But the cost might have been even bigger, you could argue, to the point where um, Art Rooney's like, look, man, we got to start running the ball more and protecting Ben Roethlisberger. And that was part of the reason they moved on from Bruce Arians. So you sort of know what you're getting, but it comes at a cost. And is the cost going to be too much? We'll I have to find out and see. Um I think one of the biggest concerns, and we always talk about can the Browns handle the pressure, and we sort of we sort of glossed over this, that Browns offensive line might stink. And then yep. it won't matter about the pressure because they're not going to be able to do anything anyway, and then Baker's going to also be taking a beating. So maybe secretly the Browns offensive line is the biggest issue as they head into to the season. Uh, uh, yeah, we've been saying that about the offensive line for a while. Baker finished uh, 10 of 26 for 72 yards and one interception. Kareem Hunt, five carries, 11 yards. I, I, I would worry about the Browns offensive line, at least early. Um, certainly the Andrew Luck news helps, uh, Baker and, and every other AFC team. And we'll, again, we'll talk more about that in a second. Um, the 49ers and Chiefs. I actually didn't watch a lot of this, but Jimmy G bounces back and goes 14 to 20 for 188 yards and a touchdown, uh, in Arrowhead where he tore his ACL. Uh, you feel a little bit better about Jimmy G? Did I, did I jump the gun saying we should panic after the 0.0 game on HQ? I guarantee you Kyle Shanahan panicked and, and John Lynch panicked and probably Jimmy GQ panicked and yeah, they bounced back. That's great. I mean, that's what you want. He was one of six or whatever last week, threw an interception, should have thrown two more, had a 0.0 passer rating. Yeah, he, he came out and played well, 14 to 20. Pass rating was 116.2. That's what you need. That's what you need. The team's still going to be not great, but they'll be better. Uh, elsewhere in the NFL, Drew Brees, 4-6 for 68 yards and a touchdown. Uh, that was his only series. Looked sharp. I was hoping to get 15 or 20 plays, but I know there's a plan to pull a few of us out after a short while and get some other guys work. Charger Seahawks, Russell Wilson, 6-9 of nine for 73 yards, three, uh, two touchdowns. 
Three rushes, 31 yards. Looked very good on offense. Hit Tyler Lockett for a 20-yard gain and a 30-yard gain. So that's worth watching. Lockett, uh, worthwhile investment with all the injuries there. And Russell Wilson, if he can be that efficient and the Seahawks defense can improve, uh, this is certainly a team that can, that can be dangerous. Bills, Lions. Oh my goodness. Lions and injuries. Oh my, oh my. Gerard Davis was carted off with a right leg injury. It is not season ending. They don't believe. And Frank Ragnow, their center, was also helped on the field, not believed to be a season-ending injury either. Those are two big blows for your boy Matt Patricia. If those guys are if those guys are hurt for a very long time, I mean, you take the, the middle guy on offense and defense. That's a big problem. Did you mention Jared Davis? Yeah, Gerard Davis. Gerard Davis. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking at um, Matt. Sa- uh, excuse me, Sam Donald stats from the previous Jets game. You were talking about the Saints, and just how well he's playing. Also in that Bills game, they're playing the Lions. It's a huge problem for the Lions. Uh, Jared, uh, Josh Allen also had another, uh, another problem, if you will, hmm. making poor decisions, throwing the ball down the field. And, uh, he called, what's he called? He calls like it's, uh, his homer play, his whatever he calls it. You, you gotta cut those out because if Pete Pritzko is going to stay in your bandwagon, you, you gotta, you gotta improve from year one to year two. If this team isn't going to be terrible. It's a big part of it. It has to be Josh Allen. So the Lions are done already. This, the injuries suck, but it, I mean, it just adds insult to injury. And, um, for the Bills, Josh Allen has to play better. Mm. Um, By the way, TJ Yeldon, maybe one of the guys who, who may be out of a job in Buffalo and may end up somewhere like Houston. TJ Yeldon, that could be a good fit. Somebody's got to get cut. Frank Gore, how about Frank Gore to the Texans? Yeah, I mean, that would make sense. He's 40, but I mean, they can't be, the you know, beggars can't be choosers. Just saying, could work. Uh, let's see. Also in the, oh, uh, injury wise, Drew Davis White left the game with bruised quadriceps and Quentin Spain, uh, limped off for the bill. So t- just another one of those games where it's like, man, how about, uh, we, how about we stop playing in the preseason? And LaShawn McCoy, six rushes, 37 yards. He got the quote unquote start as Debo notes on there. Debo, of course, a long time LaShawn McCoy fan. We're not giving Debo any more love. Uh, Frank Gore, eight rushes, 57 yards. Devin Singletary, just one rush, nine yards, but he got the touchdown. He looked sharp. And I, I, I saw that play, by the way. Cody Ford took somebody's soul on the right side of the line. Like he was like blocking him and the guy was fighting and fighting. And then Cody Ford just like eased him down to his knees. It was, it was pretty delightful to watch. Uh, Bills could be a little bit better on offense maybe than we think. Uh, that'll do it for us. I believe Broncos Rams, nothing much happened. Those guys all sat there starters. Again, this is, uh, you know, this is cl- a clear cut situation where the preseason is probably meaning more meaningless and more meaningless and they need to cut down on it. Um, and then Sunday night, we're recording this on Sunday afternoon. So if something insane happens in Steelers Titans, we will come back and, and do something on it. Otherwise, probably just recap it on Monday. So let's take a quick break and we'll get to TA Cleveland on how the Andrew Luck retirement affects the AFC South and AFC odds. The all new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect. 
or your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Joining the show now, as promised, to talk about the AFC South and overall AFC betting market after the Colts, uh, T.A. Cleveland, at Cleve T.A., on Twitter, uh, writer for sharpfootballanalysis.com. We actually already had Warren on TA and, uh, you and I have, uh, I mean, I guess we've DM back and forth a couple of times, have, have interacted a bunch on Twitter, but this is the first time we've ever talked and very excited to, uh, to chat with you. I, I, I am, uh, I'm sort of, I sort of like stumble. I don't know how I stumbled into like gambling Twitter and DFS Twitter, but it's kind of a fun place outside. Like if you stay, if you stay within the lines, if you get outside the lines, it gets very dangerous and very mean. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. First off, so uh, good to actually uh, finally get to talk to you uh, in real life versus uh, right. just uh, messaging. But uh, no, yeah, it it is dangerous. You have to. Uh, it's a slippery slope because the ones that do it more for entertainment and you know like to kind of um, debate, um, I guess, in a nice way on Twitter. It, it's cool too. It's a cool environment. But then there are the deep, deep kind of underground. Uh, hardcore guys who do this for a living and grind it out and they take, uh, they take a lot of offense to, uh, to things that, that people post that they don't agree with and really, uh, can get harsh. So it's a, like I said, it's a slippery slope. You just kind of have to avoid those pitfalls and, uh, and, you know, you could be okay online, but, uh, you know, it drives a lot of good conversation, a lot of good debate. I think, you know, the more, you know, obviously you have money invested in this stuff and you, you do more analysis and you take it more seriously than I think some, some others that are just kind of posting uh, opinions without uh, much thought or much analysis. So uh, it really drives, I think, strong opinion and, and strong, uh, strong data to, uh, to come up with these these uh, these opinions. So it's uh, it's an interesting place for sure. Yeah, um, and I, like I always get, I always think it's funny because people, you know, be like. I'll tweet something about a, a line, like, you know, the Colts plus three and a half or something. Somebody like, that wasn't the closing line. I'm like, look, I, I, it may be true, but like, I, I bet I got it at three and a half. So I don't know what, you know, it's like, I don't know what to tell right. you. Um, right. and, and I also appreciate when you body bag Jason McIntyre for, for various takes. Right? <laughs> well, it's funny. Jason's a buddy of mine. He's, yeah, he's actually the one who kind of in quotes discovered me. He, uh, it was funny. I had probably had at the time, it was a number of years ago. I had just had like a hundred followers, just buddies. And I remember he posted, and he was still at the big lead. He posted, "Hey, anybody got some winners today?" And I think I gave him like nine straight winners. I was like nine and one or something over a weekend. And he started retweeting me and having, you know, uh, talking about me. And then he has me on his show. I give him a hard time. He's uh, he's an easy punching bag, and you know, he's, he takes it well from me just because we know each other. But. Uh, but I know a lot of people like it when I go after them, so it's it's kind of funny. No, I just I just I like I just see, sometimes I see his opinions. I'm like, what the, what the hell are you talking about, dude? All right, let's uh, let's let's <laughs> let's talk. I've known I've known it for a while. Let's talk. Um, let's talk uh, AFC South. So, or let's talk Colts. First of all, um, I, I want to lay out just a hypothetical scenario for you. Well, it's not a hypothetical. It's actually happened last night. I got, as I've talked about on this podcast before, um, a few week a few months ago, uh, on my on a local. A buddy, uh, me and a couple of friends hammered the Colts at plus, uh, 140 to win the AFC South. 
when the luck news came out last night, my friends started at, at my behest. My friends started peppering me with text uh, that I can't say out loud on this uh, podcast because they were all full of swear words since Andrew Luck retired. Um, and I told them because locals are sometimes slower to move than than maybe like the Westgate or whatever. I was like, you got to hit the under nine and a half at plus money right now as fast for whatever you bet on the on the on the on the um, on the on the division just to like as a, as sort of a hedge. Do you, would you say that was a good move or bad move? Because there is a window there where the Colts go ten and six and don't win the division. It happened last year. Um, what would your what would your move have been in that situation? Was that the right play, or and then do you come back and hit the over at six and a half? What, what do you think about that sort of situation for anybody sort of exposed right now? Yeah, so it's funny. I actually agree with you. Before the uh, preseason even started, I had obviously depend you know dependent on luck being healthy. I had the Colts and the Eagles as my Super Bowl matchup and I, I just wow. love what the what Ballard uh has done with that team. I think Wright Frank Wright did a great job last year. He's got a great offensive system. You know, they built up the offensive line. Just a lot of smart, kind of positive E V moves that I thought, you know, this kind of set them was gonna set them up for for a big year. So I agree with you on um, you know, taking the Colts to win that division. So when that news is announced, like you said, you know, some books are slower than others and so definitely take that under nine and a half. That was um, that was definitely a smart move to kind of hedge yourself. And at this point, you know, where, where it sits now, it's at six and a half from where I think it's FanDuel and DraftKings where we saw, um, yep. you know, where it's posted. It's not posted everywhere. And I think, you know, and I posted it on Twitter today, a little thread that I thought it was a, an overreaction. Um, and I got, I got, you know, some guys that, that, you know, agree with me, others that, that, you know, obviously they don't actually read the thread and say, oh, no, they're not winning the division anymore. And that wasn't my point that, there wasn't that the Colts are a Super Bowl contender. Wasn't that the Colts are going to win the division. It was more of the the, the instant reaction uh, was an overreaction. I think six and a half is too low. That's like the sixth or seventh lowest win total on the board right now. Which would you know I don't think they're the sixth or seventh worst team in, in the NFL. Um, I think the division would be very competitive. All four teams um, have a shot. I think Tennessee is the worst team in the division, to be honest. Mm. Actually, have their under win total right now. Um, been sitting on it for a while. But I, here's my here's my thing with Brissett. So a lot of people look at what happened in 2017 when he took over. Uh, they saw a four and twelve outcome. He didn't play very well, and right away they just assumed the same thing is going to happen this year. But you know, I, I, as you mentioned, I've been writing for Warren's uh, website for the last couple of. Uh, Weeks here, and he did a he had a tremendous thread last year um, on the Colts and what happened in 2017. And some of the numbers are just amazing. Um, they actually led, so they went four and twelve, but they led at halftime in nine games, yep. and they ended up going two and seven in those games. Okay, it's hard to um, do. I mean, it's hard to do. <laughs> yeah, it was really hard. So they're the only team in the last 27 years that um, uh, lost at least seven games that they led at halftime. Okay, so that's. It wasn't even that. They were leading in into the fourth quarter nine times as well, and they only won four of those games, which is just remarkable. That year, 25 of the 32 teams um, lost no more than one game when entering the fourth quarter. So you're talking about a team that lost five games, which is just, you know, remarkable. So, um, you know, they were much better than a 4-12 and team. I mean, they were probably closer to a 7-9, 8-18. Eight eight and that team, if you remember, didn't have much talent at all. Their offensive line was horrendous. They were dead last in allowing sacks. They were 18th in uh, adjusted line yards, the metric that football outsiders has for uh, offensive line when it comes to running the football. Uh, they were a bad offensive line. They had Frank, you know, old man Frank Gore, you know, running the ball close to 300 times. 
Um, they didn't have Eric Ebron back then. They don't have, you know, now they have Paris Campbell. So they have more weapons now. They have a, they have a top five offensive line. Um, they really did a nice job revamping the, the front there. And their defense is, you know, defense is adequate. So, you know, I just don't think, I don't see doom and gloom here. I see a team that um, can win probably, you know, my range is kind of seven, seven and nine, eight and eight is probably most, you know, most likely. I think six and a half is too low. I would have put it, if, if, you, if I was a bookmaker, I would have made it, you know, seven, let's say minus 120, something like that, sure. um, and see where it fell. Uh, th- that's me personally, but I just think that, you know, Jacoby Brissett isn't the future, I don't think, but he's not as bad as, as kind of it seems based on some of those peripherals. So, uh, And there was actually another uh, post that uh, Football Outsiders had that he was actually the number one deep ball thrower in the NFL in 2017. Mm. You wouldn't believe it based on watching that. It, and it's purely based on kind of um, accuracy and, you know, how well he threw the ball downfield. It wasn't necessarily just completion percentage because you need help from the receivers. Uh, he just didn't have time. I mean, the, the offense line was so bad that, you know, he was forced to, to dump it down a lot and he took a lot of sacks. So, you know, if he gets time like that this year, I think P.Y. Hilton can produce. I think Paris, Hilt, uh, Paris Campbell can help out a lot. Um, taking, you know, short crossing routes and taking it to the house. He's a, you know, big play player. It was at a receiver at Ohio State. So uh, I think moral of the story is, you know, overreaction, maybe not good enough to make the playoffs or even win the division, but I think uh, six and a half is an overreaction. Yeah, I agree. And I think the the interesting thing about six and a half too is that like if you had if you were posting nine and a half previously as a bookmaker, you're really and you go six and a half now, you're I mean you're there's a three win window. That is a big effing window in the NFL. The other the other thing about the Jacoby Brissett in two thousand seventeen led the NFL in terms of sacks, right? He in terms of being sacked fifty two times. That's ridiculous. They've since added Quentin Nelson. Uh Marlon Mack uh, is a very good running back, I think, and he didn't start one game because Frank Gore was there in, in 2017. Additionally, uh, you know, you point out the coaching staff. I mean, this is a this is a, a coaching staff that was a disaster in 2017. Frank Reich is a major upgrade, and maybe more importantly, TA, like Jacoby Brissett was traded on September 2nd. He showed up in the Colts right. like a week before the season started. I I, I don't know that he is um like I don't know that he's their future quote unquote franchise quarterback, but I, I watched Brissett. Uh, a lot because he went to NC State. I mean, I, I followed him very closely after he transferred from Florida, and I think he's a better quarterback than than people are giving him credit for as a guy stepping in. So I, I agree. I, you know, looking at some of the other markets, right? The Colts are uh, sixty to one to win the Super Bowl at FanDuel right now, and thirty-two to one to win the AFC, as well as five to one to win the AFC South. Do, do those strike you as overreactions as well? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily take a shot. You know, the NFL really, uh, you've got to have a quarterback, I think, that has, you know, upside if it's an unknown guy, like a Mahomes last year, right, to sure. take a shot to win the Super Bowl if you're not one of the better teams. You know, like you said, Brissett, I think, has some upside. I don't think he has that upside, and the defense is <laughs> no. probably good enough. So I probably wouldn't touch the AFC or the Super Bowl, but I think from to win the division standpoint, I – I mean, I think plus 500 or even 550, I think you can get it at DraftKings um, Sportsbook. I think those are better, better kind of longer shots. Um, this division is so going to be so tight. I don't think anybody has a win total over eight or eight and a half. I mean, you look at Houston. They, they have the toughest schedule in the NFL this year. So they may be a better team, but they have just such a ridiculous schedule, especially uh, you know, out of conference um, or out of division that, you know, that's going to hurt them. The Colts out of all the teams in division have the easiest schedule when you look at expected win totals. They're, I think they're kind of middle of the pack at 16 
whereas uh, Houston's number one, Tennessee's fifth, Jacksonville's 11th. So uh, from that perspective, that's going to help. I mean, you look at the difference. Houston has to play, you know, at New England, for example, and then the Colts don't have to do that. They get Miami at home. So, you know, a couple of subtle differences like that are huge. I mean, that's a full – I mean, you're making up a full game there um, and then some uh, with, with just, you know, those subtle adjustments. So I think from that perspective, I, I think they have the uh, the best coaching staff in the division, I think by far they have the best front office. I mean, Houston doesn't even have a front office at this point, right? They have no GM. Um, they have the best offensive line. Um, so I think that they can make up some of those, that some of that talent deficiency with schedule, with coaching, with, you know, the strategy. You know, you go, going back to, uh, we were talking about the, the coaching staff and the, the, the 2017 Colts where they were leading into the fourth quarter nine times, um, and went four and five. So, you know, big issue, and Warren highlights this, they were the most predictable team in the NFL in the fourth quarter, maybe of all time. I mean, they literally, when they were in a specific formation or formations, you knew, the defense knew exactly what was coming. They ran the ball, for example, like 95% of the time out of um, specific formations of personnel groupings. They were ultra, ultra conservative in the fourth quarter, and that led to a lot of their, their close losses there. You know, you've got a, a coaching staff with Frank Reich, and, and, you know, he's aggressive. He goes for it, for it down. He comes from that, you know, the Philadelphia um, coaching staff that won the Super Bowl. So, you know, and he showed last year he, he's really smart from a strategic standpoint, and, you know, they're big in analytics there in that front office. So uh, I think that's an advantage that they have uh, versus some other teams in the division. So I think all of that kind of combined, of all those kind of futures, I think, you know, I think taking a stab at plus 550 or plus 500, wherever you can get it, I think is probably your best bet from a future standpoint. Yeah, and if you're sitting on a Texans 4-1 to to win the division, congratulations, you recognize some value early on, and uh, and you got paid off handsomely, but with a shocking retirement by Andrew Luck. Uh, just looking at um, my local versus uh, what FanDuel is offering, it looks like the Jaguars have moved up from 7.5 to 8. It looks like the Titans have... Actually, for whatever reason, the Titans are eight and a half um, on on my local. But uh, the, this I'm, minus one ten though. No, 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 no. It's uh, minus <laughs> minus one, minus one eighty two. So um, oh, there you go. Yeah, exactly. And, the, and they've moved down to eight at minus one thirty at, uh, at at FanDuel. Um, the Colts, obviously, as we said, six and a half. And it looks like the Texans went up to eight and a half. Which um, would you take? What do, what would you think about the Texans? Um, at eight, well, yeah, it looks like the juice might have just moved on that. The Texans are plus one thirty on the over eight and a half. Does that is that would that interest you? I'm just thinking if anybody else sees that out there on their on their local, it might find some value. Yeah, that. So again, I mentioned that's a tough. They play the toughest schedule in the NFL this year after playing, I think, the second or third easiest schedule last year. Um, so it's a huge jump up, and and uh, you look at the quarterback that they faced last year. It was literally, if you look at passer rating, the easiest schedule of quarterbacks that any any defense has faced in the NFL in the last four years. Uh, I mean, you, you just Bortles alone, right, and in division alone, outside of luck. Um, you know, they face uh, they face Eli Manning. There's just a bunch of bunch of backups and and bad quarterbacks. So that mass team really wasn't an 11 win team last year. So. Um, that you see that flip in terms of schedule, and that's why that the the uh, win total is all the way down to eight and a half. A lot of people have asked, you know, why is it so drastic? A lot of that's priced in. I personally just think it's a no play. I would not really lean on the over here uh, or the under. Now they lost Lamar Miller. You know, they've got uh, my guy Duke Johnson here from Cleveland as the <laughs> yeah. lead back, and they'll probably pick up somebody else. But you know, he, he's a good 
He's a good change of pace back, a really good third down back. I'm not sure he's a guy who's going to run it 20 times a game. So they probably are, are lacking there. The offensive line is still terrible. And, and Deshaun Watson, as good as he is, you know, he, he has to take some accountability for some of those sacks because he holds onto the ball a lot trying to make a play. Yeah. So um, I just don't, I think all of that kind of combined, I, I'm not a, I'm, this is more of a stay away from me with Houston. If I had to take anything, I would probably take the under, if anything. Mm. Um, but not, you know, having, having, uh, two games that you don't have to face luck now is going to, is going to help out things. But, um, to me, that's a stay away. I think the, I think the Jags are the most interesting team in the division, um, in terms of who's going to come out. I mean, I think they still have a great defense. You know, their defense is still very good last year. Towards the end of the year, they quit on. They definitely quit on uh, on their coaching staff. Uh, I think they were sick of Bortles coming in there and, and just you know not moving the ball and, and turning the ball over. You saw it, you know, in that that uh, Thursday night game late in the year at Tennessee. They just got completely destroyed. They weren't in that game. Um, I think just having a competent quarterback, who I think Nick Foles is, I don't think he's necessarily really good. I think he's competent. Uh, will help things a lot. I think Leonard Fournette looked really good in in the limited preseason that I've seen. I've seen him running the ball. Um, I think, uh, um, oh, God, why am I blinking on the uh, defensive end they got from Kentucky? Josh yeah, Allen. Josh Allen, yeah, he uh, looks incredible in week three of the preseason. Yeah, he looks incredible so far. You add that, add him to that defense. I think they're the most interesting team with the most upside if, if Foles can produce. So um, of all the teams in division, I think I would lean towards Jacksonville to win it. Um, and then I think just pure value. I think the Colts have good value, but uh, I wouldn't touch Houston here, uh, to win the division at all. All right. Uh, we'll get you out of here on this. Um, cause I, I, I'm in, I'm in on this. I'm in on the, the, uh, the Vikings in a big, big way this year. I've got them, uh, I think I'm actually, I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but like, I think I'm going to pick them to win the Super Bowl. Um, and, uh, I, I got uh, my buddy RJ White is out in, uh, Vegas right now, as I mentioned on the pod yesterday. And he, uh, he, he, I put, got him to put 50 bucks on, uh, Dalvin Cook at 20 to one to lead the, lead the NFL in rushing. And I, I, I thought that before that long touchdown run in the preseason, just so you don't think it's a, uh, <laughs> a, a horrific thing. But I, I also love, uh, and you wrote about this at, at, at sharpfootballanalysis.com, the idea of Kirk Cousins, Winning the MVP, uh, could you sort of expound on that? And, and to be clear, like you were, you had him like seventy-five to one, fell all the way down to I think he's down to like forty-five to one, or maybe even like thirty or twenty-five to one in certain places. Which hopefully is because people listen to you and they hammered it. Uh, I'm just curious your thoughts on, on on Cousins and the Vikings this year. Yeah, so um, again, it's it, sometimes when you take some of these futures, it's more about just value, right? Sure. It's not necessarily who you think is going to win. So I wouldn't sit here and say gun to my head. Oh yeah. Kirk Cousins is going to win the MVP. It was at the time he was sitting at, uh, he was at 80 to one on five dimes. Uh, I think he was down to 72 to one once I wrote the article. And then a few hours later, it was down to like 40 to one. I think it's like 33 to one. Now it's crazy at this point, but really the, the idea was if you look back at history, you know, kind of what goes into winning an NFL MVP and it's, you know, the last 11 of the last 12 quarterbacks or less, 11 of the last 12 MVPs have been quarterbacks, six in a row. Um, and we know this is a passing league now. So we essentially, you know, only look at quarterbacks. Um, of those 11 QBs, um, they average 13 wins per year and nobody had less than 11 wins. So you really just filter down the, the universe, universe of potential, uh, MVP winners to quarterbacks and teams that can win, at least have the chance to win 11 to 13 games, right? So sure. how many are there really out there? There's only a handful. So when I, when I just did that first kind of filter, Kirk Cousins by far was the, the, the biggest long shot at, you know, 75 to 80 to one or whatever it was at the time. 
Uh, I think the second lowest was, was Dak Prescott, and he was like 40 to 1. And it just didn't make any sense. I mean, even as bad and as everything that went wrong with Cousins and Minnesota last year, uh, he still threw 30 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. He was still, you know, fair, you know fairly competent quarterback. Uh, and they faced a tough schedule, and he had some some late season kind of cold weather games at New England. He had to face Seattle on the road. He had to face uh, Chicago in in cold weather at night. He doesn't really have to do that at all. This year he's going to be he's going to be in warm weather. He's going to be in the dome most of the year. I think only one game, and that, again a late season game in, C- in Seattle. I think early December, or late or late uh, November. The only kind of tough weather game he's going to have to face. So he'll be in good condition. They upgraded the offensive line. You know, the center Bradbury out of uh, NC State, really good, uh, really good acquisition. He seems like he's, he's, you know, doing well in preseason so far. He's going to solidify that offensive line a little bit. Um, I think the, the, you know, they got Kubiak now to, to help with the, the, um, strategy on offense. So I think he's, and he's got less pressure on him. You know, last year, a lot of, a lot of people thought that they were, the Vikings were the favorites to win the, uh, the Super Bowl. And so, you know, after signing that huge deal, you know, he's not a guy who handles pressure real well. So, all the spotlight was on him, and I think he struggled. So now he doesn't have that. No one's really picking them to win, win much. Um, you know, he's a year removed. He's going to be more comfortable, I think, in that offense. So all of that being said, I thought at the time the the odds just made no sense. And in terms of pure long shot, you know, it wouldn't shock me if a Minnesota wins that division, can win, you know, 11, 12, 13 games, and he's a top five candidate. And maybe you, it gets to the point where you can hedge. You know, maybe it's down to him and you know, Drew Brees or right. Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, maybe late in the year, you're holding a 70 to one ticket on uh, cousins or even, you know, 50 to one, whatever you got them at. And then you can hedge with uh, one of these other favorites and, you know, you can, you can kind of um, win one of the two. So uh, I just thought at the time it was a little bit of a uh, uh, mispriced in the market. And we could see that it's obviously been hammered down enough where uh, it's now it's down to a point where I probably wouldn't take it in the thirties or even at 40. But I think at the time, when it was 70 plus one to one uh, or higher, I thought it made a lot of sense. No, I'm, I'm with you completely. And, and worth noting that, um, you know, the, the one thing that people have really beat on Kirk Cousins for is, is primetime games. And like he, as, as you point out, you know, he doesn't have a ton of cold weather games to close. They have a week 12 bye, which is, which is really nice before they go to Seattle and they get, uh, the Redskins at home on a Thursday. The Cowboys on the road in week 10 on a Sunday night. The Seahawks on the road on a Monday night. And, uh, and then the Chargers, oh geez, the Chargers, uh, on the road on a Sunday night. And then the next week, the Packers at home on a Monday night. So even though, even though we might say, all right, Kirk Cousins folds like a cheap, you know, like a cheap chair in, in primetime. <coughs> excuse me. Um, he's going to have the opportunity to win those games. And if you're going down the stretch and you've got a 13 win team with a great defense and a good run game and like there's a, there's a narrative, there's a narrative chance there. And I think that's one of the important things too, when you look at MVP, uh, for, all right, uh, TA kept you too long, but you, uh, awesome stuff. Appreciate you jumping on at the last minute. And, um, man, uh, this is a fun chat. Uh, follow him at cleave TA on Twitter, read him at sharpfootballanalysis.com. And, uh, Hey, thanks for taking the time, dude. Cool. Thanks, Will. Appreciate it.